2020 changed the trajectory of my life forever. I was 24, succeeding in a job that offered huge financial reward, yet I was unhappy and unfulfilled. My chronic illness, cystic fibrosis, had caused my lungs to bleed and it left me in a hospital bed. Now I left that job and created this podcast and I left that hospital bed to run marathons and prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we respond to them. On this show, we discuss the adversity that my guests and I face and how we overcome that adversity. This is A Lot To Talk About. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybra. And of course, you can call me Brad. I'm very excited to be sitting here with today's guest. Today's guest is a very inspirational character, a character who first come across my line of vision a few years ago when I seen a very touching news story on on this man. And, you know, we have the pleasure of having him here in personal via Zoom today. He's a character who has built this mantra for his life to overcome the massive adversities he's faced. And we're going to get into that today on the podcast. But this mantra is, I fight, you fight. And to me, what that says is that says this is a man who will not be phased by the adversity he faces, but rather choose to control how he responds to it, to control with to control the response with positivity, to lead with purpose, to be a man who uses his story to serve others. And it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you from your home, your car, or wherever you are, the wonderful Alex Noble. How are you, brother? Good, Brad. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. Mate, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Like I said, I come across your story a couple of years ago and was touched by it. And I'm not one for recounting exactly when I come across anything because it feels as though life moves so fast, but I'd love for you to take the audience back to the moment that you knew your life changed forever. Because from what I know, you were an upcoming rugby star, a man who knew how to move his feet and move the footy out there on the field. And that's what it seems as though you had your sights set on, right? A career in professional rugby, correct me if I'm wrong there, but then you had an accident. Talk us through that moment. Yeah, that's right. I only ever had one vision in my life, one goal and one purpose, and that was to one day become that professional rugby star, you know, the way everyone dreams of like playing NRL or State of Origin or something like that. That was my goal my whole life. And then in the pursuit of that dream, I ended up uh, at Knox Over one morning. I had rugby sevens, New South Wales rugby schoolboy sevens training session. And we were in this, in the middle of this training session, we had this opposed game. So a 7v7 game against each other. And in the middle of this game, uh, we were attacking and my teammate was on the left of me. And we were both running forwards, attacking, going to, I guess, score a try. And um, as he approached the defender, he passed the ball to me. And the ball came to me. It was a nice pass, a long pass. It hit me on the chest and I caught it out in front in my hands and then cut the ball under my right arm. And then I looked up ahead of me and right in front of me was the opposing player, the defender. And so with the ball tucked on my right arm, I, I chucked a goose step. So, which is where you'd like, I guess, slow down and speed up really quickly. The idea is to kind of get away from the opposition, put like step him and put him off balance to get away from him. And as I did this goose step, I stuck my left arm out and tried to fend him in the chest to push him away from me to get away and score the try. And so as I stuck my left arm out to push him in the chest, the player grabbed my wrists with his right hand and his left hand grabbed onto my shoulder. So as he had full like grasp onto my arm and control of my arm, he grabbed it and yanked it straight down to the floor. 
and the momentum of that tackle or that pull made me nose nosedive, um, headbutt in the ground, head first, smashing the left side of my cheek, just straight into the hard dirt. And the momentum of that tackle carried the rest of my body over the top of my head as my head got caught in the ground. And the next thing I know is I laid there just flat in the middle of that paddock that morning, looking up to the cloudy, dark skies and my whole life just instantly stopped and everything in my whole life went cold and silent and I could no longer move a single muscle except my eyes. And I just remember laying there in that paddock in the middle of that oval with 30 of my teammates and coaches and staff standing on top of me and around me, looking down at me, wondering what had happened, wondering what was going on. And I was even wondering what was going on even more than them because I was just, my whole life completely got stripped away from me within a millisecond. And um, I remember the first thing that came to my mind was when the physio came over, I said to him, am I going to be right for training tomorrow? That was the first thing I said. I didn't realize the extent of what happened to me. I was just confused. I didn't know what had happened, but little did I know that was when my life completely changed forever, where my whole purpose got stripped away from me. My whole body got stripped away from me and everything came to an end, everything that I ever cared about. And um, yeah, ever since then, I've just ended up in a wheelchair. I'm now a quadriplegic C4-5, so up kind of really high up neck. So can't move anything below my shoulders. I guess I can move my biceps a little bit. Um, and yeah, now I guess I, you could say I've changed a little bit, changed my avenues in life. I've pivoted away from that rugby and approaching my life a little bit differently now. And hey, yeah. Your story is, part of me. just this part of the story is so powerful because maybe for the listeners who aren't watching the video whilst they're tuning into this app, they wouldn't have seen that when you just said the words, my purpose changed forever, my life changed forever. There was a smile on your face that the avenue of your life has changed this direction that you're now moving in. And to, to smile whilst you're sharing a story that comes with so much grief and loss and challenge and adversity is a big up to, to something that I know is really important to you, the power of mindset, right? And let's talk about those moments where you're lying there on the ground, you're feeling those feelings of my life is changing forever right here, right now. The only muscle you can move is your eyes. I wonder the mindset that you have now, which we'll get into in a moment, was it the same mindset you shared to, to be great at the game that you played? Did you have the power of mindset then because you were an up and coming athlete or did mindset mean something completely different to you at that time? I think at the core of me, I have acquired or maintained similar traits. Like I always did have that commitment to footy. I always did train hard with footy. I always did have that strong mindset towards footy, but nothing else. Mm. And so I've adopted some of those mindsets and characteristics and outlooks and perspectives but in a completely different approach to life. So it's no longer footy. It's no longer training. It's no, oh, it's no longer training for footy, but it's more of a overarching approach to life and towards, I guess, happiness, towards resilience, towards adaptability, towards relationships, towards mm -hmm. gratitude and applying myself to my studies, applying myself to my recovery, mm -hmm. applying myself to be the best person that I can be despite 
the many challenges I may face. So it's a completely different perspective and mindset that I now have, but I think I have maintained some of the mindset that I did have, but completely different way. Um, mm. Like I used to be a kid that was very superficial. All I ever cared about was footy and being good looking and getting the girls and having friends very well, we wouldn't say materialistic, but superficial is probably a good way to put it. And now I've become a more, lot more meaningful person. I know who I am. I know my purpose in life and I'm up for more challenges that I wouldn't have been able to ever even think about back in my past life. So yeah, I think um, I'm a completely new person, but at the core of me, I may have similar traits that I did have. Yeah. I love that brother. Let's talk about the moments that you're not on that training field anymore, but in hospital surrounded by medical professionals, people who are diagnosing exactly what your condition now is and giving you the prognosis for the, for the future and for moving forward. Obviously when you hear those words that you're a quadriplegic and you're going to be in a wheelchair, it's a shock because I don't think anyone can say that they've ever felt as though that was going to be a part of their future. Like I've had, you may know Sam Tate, Paralympic sit skier. I've had Sam on the show before and he's like, you don't spend your life thinking that this is what my future is going to look like. But he talks about almost this feeling of like being in a chair is where he's meant to be now. Like he feels a comfort in knowing who he is. Talk to me about those moments where you hear those words. What do you feel and what's your first response? Well, I think when you end up facing a challenge in life, there's three options you kind of have. And only one of them is the correct option, I think. Well, based on my experience, the three options that I have was to, when I suffered that injury, when I was deemed a quadriplegic, when I was deemed to be in a wheelchair my whole life, the first option was to look back on my life and grieve and wish my life back, wish to be that sporty, athletic, fit kid running around, wish for my arms back and wish for that fitness, wish for good health and wish that I was back on that rugby field, playing, running, having fun, laughing around. That's the one option I could have done, but I know where that would take me. That would take me just grieving my whole life, wishing for my life back and I forget to live my actual life that I'm now in. The second option that I had when I ended up in that hospital bed was to look forward, to look in the future and look at the big, long, scary process ahead of me, all of those hours and hours and days and days in the gym recovering all of those days and days in a wheelchair and you know all those days suffering all those bad days where I can't do this and I can't do that all those days where all that hard work that I have to go through to get back on my feet or become someone that can live again and achieve things that he's destined to achieve and if I focused on that big goal that long-term goal it would have been very overwhelming and it would have definitely imprisoned me and scared me because it was so difficult and then the third option was just to be present to focus on what I could achieve in that what I could achieve in that current circumstance every minute of every hour just focus on what I could achieve what I can control and by focusing on those small kind of steps those small goals what that would do is it'll enable me to knock over small tasks by small tasks and it's more manageable. By knocking over small tasks every single minute of every single day, it'll enable me to more effectively and 
um, achieve those goals and manage them. And now as I am in the future from where I was in the hospital bed, I can now look back and say, by focusing on those small goals, I've now knocked over that big goal that was once so overwhelming. So when we end up in those situations in our life, when we face those challenges where we feel like life is just burying us down and imprisoning us and everything's going the wrong way, nothing's going our way, we shouldn't focus on the past and wish for our old life back or wish for times when they were good. We shouldn't look forward and we shouldn't um, focus on the big goal. We should just focus on being present, focus on what we can control, focus on what we can achieve. And that's how we will, I guess, continue to strive forward and that's how we'll get back up when life tries to knock us down. And that's the way I approached it. Mate, I love that. That's it's so profound and it's so important for people to hear because we can get so caught up in what's ahead of us that we forget the first step is just to take one forward. You know, that there's a beautiful saying that the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. And I love that you've focused on that throughout the course of, of this past time of just taking a step in the right direction and small steps sort of build momentum. And all of a sudden, then you're moving, you're moving quicker than you, you thought you could move. You're, you're starting to overcome the things that felt like insurmountable challenges in the first place. This mindset, this yeah, mantra. There's an, awesome, there's an awesome quote, just while you're on that topic, there's an awesome quote in, it's a book called The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and the Horse. Yeah. And so like you mentioned the step and I was like, I've got to put that in. Um, yeah. So there's a bit in the book where the boy and the horse are going through some sort of bush or some forest and the horse says to the boy, other boy says to the horse, uh, I don't think we can go any further. I don't see a way through. It's too bushy. Like we can't go any further. And then the horse says to the boy, well, can you see your next step? And then the boy said, well, yes. And the horse said, well, just take that one. And that's what we can do in life in our own lives. Just focus on step-by-step. Brother, that book right now is one of the books supporting the height of this laptop. It's literally propped under the laptop. So I know exactly what you mean. Really? Yeah. And I, and I love that saying, man. And it's, it's so true, isn't it? You know, this, this mindset, this way that you look at your life, it's been, it's been supported by the foundation of a mantra that alongside your family, you created to, to motivate your recovery, to drive your recovery, this mantra of I fight, you fight. Talk to me about that, where that come into play and, and what's that, what's that done for your life? Yeah. So I guess that I fight, you fight saying all stemmed from the, in the early days of hospital, I guess. Um, I, I'll tell you the story first. So I was in hospital, ICU, a North Shore hospital. It was about the fifth day of this ICU experience. And it was at nighttime, it was dark, it was about 9pm. And at the foot of my bed, my hospital bed was my mum, my dad and my older brother, Zach. And so I was laying in this bed that night and the room was dark, there's not many lights, I'm just a lamp. And I laid there still unable to move anything in my whole body, still unable to move my legs or arms or shoulders, or even my head. I was completely pinned to the bed, unable to speak um, on life support, helping me to breathe, unable to drink water. And I was laying in that bed one night, minding my business, just in my own thoughts, because that's all I could really do other than roll my eyeballs around. Um, I was listening into the conversation that, my mum and my dad and my brother were talking about. And as I listened in closely, I recall they were talking about 
Jack was talking about his HSC, his year 12 HSC. And he was saying that it was just too difficult. He was struggling too much. And he was too distracted by everything that happened to me and my family in that period of our lives. And he was saying that he was just going to give up on his HSC. He said, you know, what's the point of all this? You know, there's no point and it's too hard. He's too distracted. Why would I do it? And so as I lay there listening intently to this conversation, I was reflecting and I th- kind of thought it was my fault because, well, he's not going to do HSC because of me, because something happened to me. So as I listened to this, with every single bit of might that I had within me, with every single bit of strength that I had within me, I managed to actually make my first sound, my first words that came out of my mouth five whole days later. And so in a deep and withered tone under my breath, I managed to say my first sentence. And I said, I interrupted the conversation and I said, Zach, if I fight, you fight. And so ever since then, I guess I just made that decision to not let anything stop me, not let my circumstances stop me, but do what I want to do and I'll control my life. My circumstances won't control my life. And that motivated Zach to do his HSC and complete his HSC. I ended up getting quite a good mark. And I guess that mindset or that quote or that um, situation where I announced that, I guess, um, line that I wouldn't say famous line, but my mantra line has kind of stemmed onto or reflected throughout more, uh, more of society, my community, um, because they have supported me so much with, you know, they were delivering me food, supporting me, getting me messages, hundreds of messages saying that they're, they're there to support me. Um, even with funding, they help me with so many funds and to support my life now um, with all my medical bills and et cetera. And all the time and effort they put into me, like my school, my rugby community, my friends, my family. And so they're fighting for me and I'm fighting for them. So it's kind of like an interrelationship now. So it's kind of extended beyond that individual personal level between me and Zach, but also my whole approach to life. And if I can do it, you can do it too. And also I'm fighting because you're fighting for me. I think it's got very various elements to it. Yeah. Let me tell you, brother, I fucking love that story. That is a great story. And to me, you're the type of person that people want to have in their life because that attitude is, it's so important because sitting here right now, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, you may not recognize that right now in your life, that mantra can serve you because you might think, well, I'm not going through what Alex went through. You know, I haven't experienced trauma like that. I haven't experienced challenge or adversity like that. But let me tell you, if you're a living human being, you're going to face adversity in your life. Adversity is a normal part of the human experience. And whether it's the adversity of tough financial times, whether it's the adversity of losing someone you love or, or facing just any challenge that can come to play in life, that mantra of I fight, you fight is something that brings us together and allows you to build a community of people who are going to be there to support you through whatever you face. Like that inner circle, those people you support yourself with, that support system is so important. And I'll tell you, man, I was moved. So this morning I was sitting having breakfast after my run, me and my partner on the balcony of our place, we sit out there in the sun and and we tend to just have a little bit of brekkie together and have a chat. And I was looking at your TikTok And some of the recent videos were like a little four-part series of you giving back to your mates for all they've given to you. 
and that support system. And mate, it, it made me emotional because seeing there and sit, seeing your mates and you connect and chat and you could see the love that they have for you. I don't think you would even realize what you've done for them because that attitude of I fight, you fight would do so much for the people in your life. And it's made, it's just so inspiring to me that, that you've been able to at, at such a young age, like what are you now? 19, 20? 20. Yeah. Bro. At such a young age, you have this gift of clear vision to understand what's actually unfolding in your life and to truly understand what you can control, which is your belief, your perspective, your actions. And it, it's so inspiring to me, man. I want you to talk to me about this last couple of years, right? Like forming the life that you're living now. You're on stage sharing your keynote with audiences across Australia, hopefully across the world one day, because let me tell you, you deserve to be. You're on a podcast like you are today. You're, you're not only doing that. You just told me you're in exam week at uni. I know you're working, you're, you're hustling, man. Talk to me about your life now and, and how this mantra, how you've, you've refound purpose in your life to be the man that you are. Yeah, well, I think um, after all that hospital experience and recovering and redevelopment and rehab, I've now come to a period in my life where I'm ready to be the best that I can be and fulfill my potential in life. And I think my motivation and my, as you said, hustle has come from this thought of mine because I've realized that in my life now, because of my health, I guess, impediments and um, my like inability to exercise as much and stuff like that, I've kind of realized that my time on this earth has become shortened. So like our the average life is probably 80, 85 years. But now because of my health impacts, um, I've kind of come to the tough realization that I think my time will probably be shorter. And I guess that could have really upset me and impacted me in a imprisoning and paralyzing way and just stopped me from living and got me upset. But I think that's also been the biggest igniter in my life because it's motivated me to wake up every single day as early as possible and complete as much as I can in that day because I know that my time is shorter. So it's motivated me. To, it's made me realize that Life is long enough, but it's also so short and we have to maximize our time and be the best that we can be in order to achieve our potential because that way, when we get to the end, whatever age that is, we can look back and say that we did our best and we left nothing behind in the tank and we achieved our potential. It's like, I think that I approach my life now by hell is the person that you meet who you could have been. And it's like, or, or if you look at through another lens, you, you go to heaven and God, and you're sitting at a table and God's on the other side of the table and he hands you this sheet. And on this sheet is a big list of things, big list of accomplishments and things that you could have been. And he says, every single one of these lists, every single item on this list is what was in store for you. And I think my goal in life now is to make sure that I achieve every single one of those accomplishments because I don't want to get to the end and leave anything behind and waste my life away. And so I've kind of implemented that into my life. And now I'm doing a lot of things and doing a lot of things as much as I can. So I'm working, uh, I've got run my own boat charter company. 
I study full-time doing business and law. I do keynote speaking as around Australia. I do these podcasts, like you said. I train every single day as much as I can. Um, and I've gone to Europe a few times now and I'm just kind of not leaving anything behind because I know that I have that goal to achieve my potential. Um, and what I've also found in my life is that that hustle at times is hard. It's extremely hard sometimes, you know, waking up every morning before light and getting on that hand cycle, you know, it's very difficult and uncomfortable. And like no one wants to do that. I don't want to do that. But what I found is when you are most uncomfortable, that is when you live in the most. That's when you grow the most and that's when you can succeed the most. So when I'm studying or working, doing 10, 12, 14 hours a day, you know, I hate every single moment of that. Every minute, every minute I hate it. But that's where discipline is required. Discipline to do what you hate, but do it like you love it. And I guess that's the way you're going to grow and achieve and reach that potential. Because, you know, I found like, sitting on the couch and having a cup of tea, you know, you're not growing there. Yeah, it's comforting. It's pleasure. It's great. Everyone loves those times. But you're not really achieving. You're not going to reach your potential by sitting on the couch. You're going to reach your potential through difficulties and tough times. And so that's how I've kind of approached my life. And that's why I have that hustle mindset now. And, yeah, so I think that's all stemmed from that realisation that time is short. And I think that, yeah, my time's short, but and your time or listeners out there, their time might be longer or that 80, 85 years. But it not doesn't it isn't necessarily that because at any time we could pass. And I think people think that's a scary thought, but it's also a very liberating thought because that inspires us or motivates us to live every day to our fullest. And so um yeah, I guess people that I think people should always have that in the back of their minds that they should be not wasting time. They should live every day like it's their last. And even if it is 80, 85 years, you still want to live every single day as best you can. So when you get to that, the end of your life, you can look back and say, I did my very best and I reached my potential. Bro, I love that. You have a beautiful way of sharing this message. And to me, it, it stands out and makes so much sense. And I'm sure you've heard this quote. Uh, it's one of the ones that I love. And it's one of the ones I share when I'm on stage, the Confucius quote that every man lives two lives. The second begins when he realizes he has just one. Yeah. And, you know, for, for yourself, for, for myself, that realization has come through adversity outside of our control through health challenges. Right. And the first time I truly understood the meaning of that message was at 18 when I started coughing up blood for the first time, rushing to emergency. And, you know, I was told that in my current situation, if this had ever happened, it's a matter of life or death, how quickly you get to the hospital. And I remember driving to the hospital and asking myself the question, if I'm to die here today at 18 years of age, am I happy with the life that I've lived? And I had beautiful people around me and I'd spent plenty of good time with my family and, and I knew I was a good man, but I felt like there was so much left untapped. And that feeling of, of though, as though you're exiting too soon because you've not done enough with the time that you had is a torturous feeling. And so I commend you on that mindset that 
that desire to live life to the fullest with the time that you have, because it is true that none of us know how long we've got. A question I'm commonly asked about my cystic fibrosis is, does it scare you that people with cystic fibrosis have a life expectancy of around 40 years of age? And to that, I say no, because I know, you know, and I've, I've made a pact with my partner that I'm going to push for a hundred. I'm going to, I'm going to be a centurion. That's what I'm, that's what I'm setting out to do. But I also know that none of us can ever believe this idea of life expectancy because no one's promised any time on earth. Yeah. The average person lives to 80 odd, but no one's promised that get hit by a bus tomorrow. So you're here right now. And in the present, like you said, you have to make the most of the moments that are unfolding. And I just, I love your mindset towards all of this. You know, I had a conversation with my partner, Soph on Sunday night, sort of lying in bed. We're getting old now, man. I'm 27. So it's about 7.30 at night. We're lying in bed and we're having a conversation around how we feel about right now. And I said to him, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself right now because I've been reflecting a lot on the man that I was through 2020, 2021, where you know, I was really facing my fair share of adversity, right? My lungs were bleeding almost every second night. I was in and out of hospital. Just shit felt like it kept going wrong, right? But I had this positivity and this hope. And I was, I was out there. I was running marathons with bleeding lungs. I was pushing myself. I was looking for obstacles to overcome, to grow through. And I feel like right now I've been, maybe I've slipped into a bit of that victim mindset this last couple of months. Like, few things have been challenging and I've, and I've allowed them to chip away at me. And I said to my partner, I'm holding myself accountable that I'm moving back in the direction of the obstacle. I'm seeing the obstacle and I'm moving towards it. And I'm going to start overcoming this shit because that's where I learn. That's where personally, and I can speak for a lot of people here, that is where you grow when you are face to face with adversity and it's you versus the challenge in front of you and you have to rip and tear and fight your way through it. And so often in life, you said it there, you're sitting on the lounge with a cup of tea, you got the blankets on, the heat is cranking and you're comfortable, but you don't learn anything from it. And I, and I just love that message of no matter how good or cruisy or easy life feels, search for something to challenge yourself. And, and I love that you're tipping your energy into so many things at the moment to grow, to continue to move forward. What do you think it is that that doesn't that doesn't equate to action for people when they hear that message though because it seems as though people have to have their own experiences like you have or like I have to really learn that lesson what can people be doing right now like what are the small steps to to go out there and challenge yourself and learn through the process I think that one of the things that people who doesn't equate with them is that they assume that they're going to wake up tomorrow. They just assume that they're going to wake up tomorrow. And I don't think anyone should assume that they're going to wake up tomorrow because one tiny thing that goes wrong within your body, one tiny error in your physiological um, responses or processes, and that's it. So I think every single day, I know in my life, every single day I wake up in bed and I open my eyes, and I take a big deep breath and I go, phew, thank God, it's all good because I got that another breath. Then I reflect and I go, my mum's okay, my dad's okay, my brother's okay, my nana's alive, my pa's alive. It's all good. 
can't be much worse, you know? And I think that people have this approach when they wake up and they say, oh, I have to wake up at 6 a.m. But it shouldn't be like that. It should be, I get to wake up at 6 a.m. You know what I mean? So I think that one of the things that people often get wrong or one of the things that impacts people's mindsets or motivations is because they assume that everything's going to be okay. They assume they're going to have good health and they take it for granted. And a lot of people, like I know a lot of people that, you know, say that they're grateful for things, but majority of the population are very grateful for things, you know, like when you're at the dinner table, for example, you get a nice big lamb roast in front of you with hot potatoes and hot veggies by the side and nice glass of red wine and your family's all healthy sitting like around you. You probably do take a moment to say a prayer. You probably do take a moment to say, oh, thank God for this food or thank you for your family. Thank you for good health. You know, most people are grateful for these things, right? But what I've found, what I've realized throughout society is that when like throughout mundane normality, when things are just average, not many people are grateful for those times. And better yet, when things are going wrong, when things don't go your way, everyone just completely chucks gratitude straight out the window. But what I've found in my life is if you can, when you can find gratitude throughout those difficulties, when life's trying to knock you to your knees, when you can, when you can find gratitude in those dark, difficult times, that is how you will find that key to motivation, that key to happiness and that key to resilience to continue to strive forward when life tries to knock you down, to get back up every single time, to have the courage to keep on striving forward when things aren't going your way. Brother, yeah, I love I love that. You, spe- you said they're resilience and I guess we can make the mistake of always thinking that resilience is something that physically we need to we need to acquire, but mentally you just spoke there about perspective and, and having the perspective or the attitude of gratitude in, in adversity and difficulty to go, Hey, I'm grateful. I'm here. I'm grateful. I'm working through this. Does resilience play both a mental and physical part in recovery and moving forward now? Because I know that you're working hard, not just to maintain what you've got, but to hopefully open that body up and keep moving forward. Right. Talk to me about that result role that resilience plays in your day-to-day right now. Yeah, so I think with training and working out and stuff like that, like in my old life, or my old life, my life previous to my accident, when I would work out because I was motivated to work out, you know, I'd work out and I'd feel good afterwards. I'd feel good because I'm seeing results. I'm deadlifting 100. Next week, I'm deadlifting 110 next week I'm deadlifting 120 you know I'm seeing results so I'm motivated to go to the gym because I like doing it and I think with when you're training and stuff like that when you're doing things when you're working but you actually like it and you're seeing results you feel motivated to do these things but motivation only gets you so far because it only motivates you to do the things that you want to do but there's a missing aspect of motivation because how are you going to train? How are you going to work out? How are you going to study? How are you going to work when you don't want to do it? How are you going to work when you don't see those results? Motivation is not going to get you there. That's missing. What you need is discipline. Discipline is doing something you don't want to do, but doing it anyway, because you know, you should, because you know, you have to. And so I think discipline is the key to resilience because that's what will get you through 
those darker times when you don't feel like doing something, but you have to do it anyway because you know that'll suit you best. And I think discipline isn't only relevant in working out and working and training. It's your whole behavior and every approach you do, every minute of your life, every decision you make, what you eat, what you drink, what you say, where you go, what you do. If you don't have discipline, you're not going to get anywhere in your life. You're not going to be the man that you're going to, the man that you want or can be. And so I think in my life, discipline is the key to my resilience, not motivation. Because when I gym now, unlike before, when I was deadlifting and seeing results, every time I go to the gym now, I don't see results. You know, I've been bicep curling one kilogram for three years. Whereas before I was deadlifting, going up 10 kilos every week. And so when you're not seeing those results, it can be very imprisoning and unmotivating because you're like, you know, what's the purpose of this? So that's what discipline is required. And I think another aspect I implement when trying to be resilient in my life is the state of peace, achieving a state of peace. Because when you're, when you're in a state of peace, you don't become phased by difficult situations. You maintain like a constant state of serenity and you don't, your emotions don't fluctuate when something bad happens or when something good happens, you maintain that constant state of serenity and peace. And when you have that, you have constant clarity with what you need to do and how you need to do it. And that'll enable you to focus on the task and continue striving towards that task and that goal. And therefore you can be resilient to those external factors that might throw you off the external factor of outside events that may motivate you to stop doing what you're doing and put you down. But if you're in that state of peace where you have control of your emotions, you can do what you need to do. Um, even though the world might be telling you not to. I have to ask you a question on that brother. Cause I, I love what you're saying here about state of peace, providing with the clarity to make the decisions or, or take the actions you need to take. Have you had to cut anything away from your life to create that state of peace? No, I think what I've had, what I've added to achieve that state of peace is gratitude, but not gratitude when things are good. Gratitude throughout mundane normality and gratitude when things are bad. That addition to my life has enabled me to achieve that fundamental state of peace. Mm, beautifully said. Let's talk about purpose. I know purpose is big to you and we spoke about, and, and maybe for me, the most inspirational part of your story for me personally is the fact that you, you had your purpose. You were locked in on being a professional rugby league player or a professional rugby player. And that changed outside of your control that changed, but you've not been a victim of your circumstances. Rather you have redefined what purpose means to you. You've reformed purpose and and you've got that purpose now to live your life from here on out, what would you, how would you describe that purpose or what is the mission statement behind your purpose? Yeah. So before, like you said, my only purpose in life was footy and impressing others with good looks and getting girls and having fun with mates. But now I've realized that that was very superficial and not much meaning behind it, you know? And so lately in my life, I've, Purpose has been a big thing. And I think I've had a very big, very big, that's probably one of my biggest changes having a different type of purpose in my life. Um, 
So my life now, I think that the way I approach purpose and the purpose of my life is leaving something behind on this earth that's going to last a lot longer than my duration here. Because, you know, like the universe is billions of years old and our 80 years within that billions of years, it's completely immaterial. So it's just like everything we do, like, you know, doesn't really matter. Like anything we do, like, you know, go and have fun with your mates. doesn't matter that much. Like it's just going to be forgotten. That memory that you had at the pub with your mates, it's going to be forgotten, you know, when you pass. Everything you achieve, that nice car, the nice Bugatti, the nice Ferrari, the nice house, that $200,000 salary, that's all going to go with you when you pass at the end of your life. So I think I've realized that and I've realized that they don't have much meaning and we should approach life by completing tasks and achieving goals that, or doing things by serving others, serving others so that you leave something behind that's going to last and have a sufficient and significant impact on that billions of years in this universe. Something that's going to last forever for generations to come by inspiring others. But what I've also realized and struggled with lately also is that kind of can be a bit of a, you forget to have a bit of fun. Well, I realized that you forget to have a bit of fun by doing that because I feel like I just dedicated my life to leaving something behind and I forgot to go to the pub with my mates. What I found really is, yes, it's true to focus on leaving something behind, leaving something impactful that's going to last and make a positive difference to the world. But the way you do that isn't doesn't have to be by making some massive, significant impact by being a president and changing the world, by changing others' mindsets, et cetera. But the more simple things, you know, by going to the pub and having that conversation with your mate, by making him a bit happier, you know, having that story, sharing that story, it's the more simple little things in life that all build up. And by leaving some, you're leaving something behind by making that other person happier by mm. having fun, by, you know, it's more simple things. It doesn't have to be that large. If you're an average person that thinks to yourself that, oh, I'm not Nelson Mandela, I'm not going to be able to change the world. You are changing the world one step at a time by having that conversation with your mate. You know what I mean? So that's the way I'm approaching my purpose these days. Bro, I love there's a Mother Teresa quote that not everyone has the power to change the world, but everyone has the power to change the world of one person. And that is exactly what you're you're sort of leaning towards there. And driving in the car yesterday, driving back from a walk with one of my mates at the beach, and and I was thinking about life deeply in my car. I've got this thing. This probably sounds that odd to anyone listening, but I put on. Have you ever heard of the cinematic orchestra? Love it. Cracker, right? Cracker. Yeah. I put the cinematic orchestra on as I drive, or just when I want to sit and think, and I feel like the the depth of the music and the, it feels like very, it feels like main character vibes when that cinematic orchestra is going on behind you and it's, it's building up and it's so cinematic and you feel like there's something coming out of you, brings these ideas, these thoughts out of me. And I thought about that quote that many people have heard that life is just love in full effect. And I thought, well, what does that mean to me? Like, what does that quote those words? What does that genuinely mean to me? And I thought, well, that is so heavily linked to purpose in life because love in full effect, well, to me, love is three things. Love is loving the man staring back at me in the mirror. So how do I love the man staring back at me in the mirror? Well, 
I have values that I know are, are morally grounded. I have values that make me the man that I want to be, but I make sure that I show up in the world according to those values. So the first step for me is to love the man staring back at the mirror. And that is to make sure that I'm showing up in the world according to my values. The second step is to love the people who are around me, like to love my partner with all I've got, to love my family and my mates with all I've got and to be there for them and to understand that they are the biggest part of my life, that they are the people who I get to have an impact on every day within arm's reach all the time, from the way that I love them to the way that I listen to them, to the way that I'm present with them. You know, you spoke about being present in life. The third thing is to love what I do, like to love the gifts that I've been given and to use those gifts in service of others. And for me, when you have love for those three things and it's in full effect, man, you're living a life on purpose. Like for me, that is what a life on purpose is all about. And it is so inspiration, inspirational to me, Alex, to see you living and loving in full effect in your life. And, and I'm so moved by your story. And I know that this is all going to sit with me for so long. And, and your story your thoughts, your words are going to be a part of how I now move through the world. The last thing that I want to ask you, Alex, before I let you go is if you could share one message with the world, one message with the people who are listening to this podcast, who want to take it on board and make it a part of who they are and how they live their life, what would that message be? One message. I think... Don't assume that you're going to have tomorrow. Wake up every day. Appreciate what you have. Remember, you don't have to wake up. You get to wake up because one day you won't be able to wake up. So I think the rest, that achieving your potential, like I've all spoke about, that's all going to stem from being absolutely grateful every single day throughout good times and bad times, being happy with what you've got. And that's going to enable you to be disciplined, be your best and achieve your potential. And remember, it's better to live 40 years full of happiness, full of growth, full of achievements, full of life, rather than living 80 to 85 years, not doing anything, never growing. Brother, I'm so moved by your story. I'm going to make sure that every one of your social links, everywhere that people can find you, connect with you, support you, be a part of the quest that you're now on in life are uh, all linked within the show notes. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the fabric of a lot to talk about. It is stories like your own that inspire me to be the man that I want to be, to move through the world the way that I want to move through the world. And I know that every one of the human beings who listen to this podcast and take the time to tune in will be so thankful that you've taken the time to be a part of the show. So thank you, my brother. Brad, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Cheers, my man. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It means the world that you guys are in my corner, that you continue to listen to the show every week. And if you could do me a massive favor by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it, and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it, that would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow. The more the show grows, the bigger the guests we get on, the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys, the listeners, the viewers of the show. Before I go, I want to pay my respects and recognize the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast. The Aboriginal culture has such a rich history and storytelling 
And as a passionate storyteller, I really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week.